Next on BYU Sports Nation, brace for impact. What's the damage report on BYU football after a deflating home loss to Cal? Two big takeaways. Who is BYU, the team that beat Arizona or the squad that lost to Cal? ESPN's Trevor Maddich answers that question, plus his reaction to Tanner Mangum's performance. And will BYU have a new number one team ranked on campus? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by... The BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, September 10th, wherever and however you're connected. Thanks for being with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who absolutely loves Mondays, Jerem Jordan. I don't. I work in sports. I love every day. I'm not like, ah, oh, man, Monday is back to work. Hey, life's good, man. Thus, the introduction as a man who loves Mondays. Mm-hmm. Now, some Mondays are more beloved than others. Yes. Why? Well, I, I thought I got a lot of rest last night. I have like a. You and I have infants. You know, I have, I have a two-month-old. And I was like, I feel well rested, and then I, it's like, oh, BYU lost. <laughs> That's what happened. Blame it why on I, that. Why am I like tired? Low in it? BYU lost, and we're all just like, mm. it is what it is. Daryl's talking about his win over Northern Illinois. Yeah, that uh, that super impressive <laughs> I, win. I, I kid you not. I'm walking into church yesterday, and I hear someone say, "Well, yeah, but we won." And I hear someone say, "It was Northern Illinois." <laughs> really loud. And it, this lady talking to this guy. I was like, "Oh, we got a Daryl, and we mm-hmm. got a." Mm-hmm. Sister BYU. Yeah, let's so go. Was, so that was funny. Well, it was Northern Illinois. Yeah. Hey, man, my Utes are 2-0, oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were all Huskies on Saturday for a while there. Hey, I've got a few reasons for all of you to love this Monday. And it this was Monday Northern show. Illinois. ESPN's Trevor Maddich will join us in 15 minutes. Our going for two picks were an adventure. We revisit those in about a half an hour. Mm-hmm. Plus, why one BYU player feels like the Cougars actually lost Saturday's game last Wednesday. Soak on, uh, yeah, well, so soak on that thought for a moment, huh? Just let that uh, let it soak in. Soak in, yeah, yeah. Chew on that. Or soak, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got you. you fo- you're I got following. You. You're yeah, following. Yeah, good. Happening right now, today's top headlines across BYU Sports Nation. BYU football drops their 2018 home opener on Saturday night, losing to Cal 21-18. BYU is now 2-5 in their last seven games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's not protecting the house. The schedule gauntlet now approaches its steepest challenge when the Cougars take on sixth-ranked Wisconsin in Madison this Saturday. Gold. Fred Warner led the 49ers defensive uh, defense with 12 tackles, a forced fumble, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit. In a 24-16 loss to the Vikings, he was outstanding. Third-ranked BYU women's volleyball remains undefeated. The ladies won the Marquette Invitational over the weekend with a sweep win of number 10 USC, a sweep of Syracuse, and a three-sets-to-one victory over the host and 25th-ranked Marquette. BYU could very well be number one when the new AVCA poll is released in a few hours. Two-and-one loss, so I expect number three BYU at seven first-place votes to be number one this afternoon. Very exciting. And the BYU women's soccer team beat Utah 3-2 on Friday night on a goal in the 85th minute by Maddie Sidaway-Gates. A little delayed karma boost. The Cougars have a four-game win streak versus the U. That's fantastic news. And those are your top 
headlines in BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. As we just told you, BYU football has now lost for a fifth time in the last seven home games following Saturday's setback to Cal 21-18. It's clear that any positive momentum BYU built in Arizona is now long gone. What happened? Jerem, what are your two biggest takeaways from Saturday's loss to Cal? BYU's offense looked like the 2017 version of itself, and that is a bad thing. We thought we had flushed it out. And yes, I admit, I got excited. You got excited. We all got excited after the Arizona game because we thought, you know what? 4-9, see ya. Well, it felt like that group on Saturday, unfortunately. 3.9 yards per play is awful. BYU had 10 points until 50 seconds left in the game. 2.8 yards per carry. What happened to the O-line dominance? 52 rush yards in the first half, 39 the next three quarters, including six rushing yards in the second half. What was perceived as BYU's strength was BYU's weakness. They couldn't run the rock, okay? Um, and BYU was down 21-10 to 10 with 3.38 to go. It's just, it felt like the 2016 UCLA game. You know what I mean? It really you, did. You beat Arizona in 2016, you come home, and then you just lay an egg offensively. It was bad. BYU gained 11 yards in the third quarter. Cal gained 208. That's my number one takeaway. Number two, the defense, good and bad, right? Three takeaways, two on defense, one on special teams. Diangong Woloku, uh, awesome. Two fumble recoveries, one for a touchdown. 398 yards allowed isn't great, but it's not terrible. I'll take sub 400 most of the time. 21 points allowed at home should be enough to win. That should be enough, but the offense didn't show up until too late, and, and it looks closer than it was. That was an 11-point loss. BYU added eight late. Um, eight for 15 on third downs defensively. Five and a half yards of play isn't good. 30 minutes of possession isn't good. The defense needs to get more pressure. Where's this pressure? One sack last week, zero this week. Where's the pressure on the quarterback? Chase Garbers, a freshman, starts his first game ever, and he's running on third down and long for first downs multiple times. Yeah, running for nine I, yards a pop. I had an issue with that. This game, as you said, Jerem, was 2016 UCLA reincarnate. Season opener, wide out, new offense, new offensive coordinator, little to zero production in terms of points, late touchdown, failed onside kick. Everyone left questioning if BYU actually has any type of offense. I was shocked given that BYU has said, well, look, we've got special teams in play, and we feel confident about that, that BYU – with a more conservative approach, or so we thought there would be a more conservative approach with Jeff Grimes and this it's new staff here. BYU, it's always conservative. Okay. Well, we think, right? BYU Generally didn't, speaking. didn't take the conservative approach. Uh, the first two drives in the opening half, BYU moved the ball. They got past the 40-yard line. In fact, BYU, instead of kicking a field goal from 52 yards, which we have been told Skylar Southam has range up to 60-plus. Atlanta said it publicly, up to 55. That they feel confident that, oh, yeah, if it's within 55, we'll, we'll run them out there with no issues. We, we feel confident in doing that. Yeah, for some reason, on fourth and five of the 35, BYU went for it. Fourth Impressive. and five. And I thought, why? It's early. Just take some points. It was 7-3 before the half. Gets, gets something going positively uh, to pay off this drive. Okay, So I was, I was shocked that BYU didn't do that early on and take Points where we told we were told that they probably would take points. And then Bo Hodge three times on the opening drive. BYU didn't get any points out of that drive. I, I just yeah, I I I don't 
know why the conservative approach wasn't there. And it turned out that BYU drops a game by three. You know, it's hard not to look at that and think, ah, eh. if they had just taken a field goal well, here, maybe it changes yes. the rhetoric. It's an 11-point game with 51 seconds. Maybe it changes the rhetoric of everything. It, it wasn't at the end where you lose it. Yeah, it's earlier for sure. The story of the offseason and even fall camp was who was the quarterback, okay? That man was Tanner Mangum. He had a tremendous third quarter against Arizona, 21 points. BYU wins that game. More on the Arizona win and its value later. Saturday, Mangum went 22 of 41 for 196 passing yards, a touchdown late, and two picks. How would you assess Tanner Mangum's performance against Cal? Pressing. I thought he was pressing, especially in the second half. When BYU's run game went away, and this is where we see Tanner Mangum struggle, when he feels like he has to do too much by himself, when he tries to make plays that aren't there, and he's throwing to receivers that aren't open and trying to fit the ball into tiny windows. This is not the Tanner Mangum we saw in the third quarter against Arizona, and quite frankly, I thought Tanner Mangum was pretty darn good in the opening quarter against Cal. Yeah, things were going all right. Yeah, they um, moved they moved the ball. Well, but, because they were rushing. The, they, BYU ran for 52 yards in the first quarter. But. They ran for 39 the other three. I will say this. And my second takeaway from the BYU-Cal game was the amount of dropped passes that BYU had. So, I counted like six. Some Someone counted like ten. It was ridiculous. The backbreaker was the long ball down the field to really stretch the Cal defense that was dropped by Dylan Colley. That, that one Dylan stung makes that play lot. every time except for that one. Like I was shocked that yeah. that guy dropped okay. that ball. So so and, many and dropped passes. That's the drive where BYU goes for it on fourth and five of the thirty five. So BYU doesn't get any points out of that. BYU didn't get any points out of a couple of other turnovers, the takeaways. The defense said, you know what? Dyingawolku picks that up, he runs in. That was great. But BYU did not take advantage of the takeaways, including the muffed punt at the 19-yard line. You get no points. No points because if BYU of BYU gets three points there, that final offensive drive for BYU is to tie the game. Exactly. Instead, exactly. instead BYU has to kick it onside. They have three timeouts. It doesn't work. They don't get a stop. Yes. Yes. You kick yeah. a field goal in the first half, or you get at least three points off of at the muffed punt. At least. You don't even attempt a field goal. You don't. You don't that even was, that take was rough. a shot. You don't even get a shot to yes. score points. Those be- two ints killed BYU. So I, I feel like Tanner. Tanner was really pressing, really pressing, and it was it was a, just a, a horrible flashback to 2017, where it's like, ah, oh, he's trying to do too much. Just yeah. just don't, just don't. All right, Jerem, it's an overreaction Monday. <laughs> Straight up, is BYU the team that beat Arizona, or the team that? Lost to Cal. Recency bias hard on this one. The team that lost to Cal. It's probably somewhere in the middle, let's be honest. Um, what is the middle? The team that beat Arizona. You know what we've ignored with that one? That it was a five-point game. I know BYU was eight tw- up 28-10, but it was 28-23. Like, that's a close game. So, Saturday, something happened that changed everything, right? Arizona goes down 31 nothing at halftime. I'm out to eat at breakfast with some friends, and I'm getting texts from multiple people going, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. I think that Arizona isn't good. They got worked 45-18 to Houston. We don't know how good Houston is. They have the best defensive player in the country probably, and that's Oliver. But all I think of, Houston's a top 25 team. But all of a sudden, Arizona goes 0-2, and it's like, oh, wait, was that win as good as we thought? I was really confident that BYU, that offensively, they would play similar to the way they played Arizona at home against Cal, who is similarly skilled, and all of a sudden, BYU just kind of gets worked at home. I know it's I know it's close, but guess what? That's an 11-point game with 51 seconds to go. I'm not fooled by the three-point margin. 
Okay. It is an overreaction Monday, but I can't. Is it reaction Tuesday? At one point, it's just a reaction. I can't help but step back <laughs> and say, okay, BYU strung together some drives in the first half. I thought that BYU was moving the ball effectively enough first in the quarter. first half. Yeah. I thought they were. That similar to what they did against Arizona. I thought the play calling was precise outside of three consecutive runs to Bo Hodge. I thought, oh, okay, maybe maybe you try and get the first down somewhere else or at least kick a field goal. I, I don't know. But I thought it was pretty solid in the first half overall from an offensive standpoint. Cal made adjustments that BYU didn't adjust to, I guess, right? Because BYU... BYU was running for four-plus yards a pop in the first half. like Yeah, BYU had six... Yards rushing in the second half. Six. Zero in the fourth quarter. You're playing from behind. I get it. But that, that was interesting to me. So which team is the real BYU? We're, gonna, we're not going to find out Saturday who BYU is. <laughs> BYU is playing out Wisconsin. Yeah, that's, that's what's hard. Six. That's what's hard. Who dropped to six despite winning. October is going McKinney, to be the real, yes, t- the yes. real tell-all for McKinney BYU. Stay. BYU is going to win that. They should Win handily. We'll see, though. Like the Cougars we'll got to go to Washington. But when BYU plays yes. Utah State, Hawaii, and Northern Illinois, Character reveal. we will find out what type of team they are. And as you have pointed out a number of times, the old offense coordinator, Robert and I, says we typically don't know who we are until almost halfway through the season. Yes, you need several games. Now, a quick peek of the Wisconsin game. I think Zach Wilson plays in that, this game. I'm not saying that he starts. He shouldn't. You, you should ride Tanner Mangum and then see what happens. And barring a Mich- Michigan or LSU kind of thing where you barely cross 50 or not at all, I think Zach Wilson will play in the game against Wisconsin. Yeah. He'll get at least a drive, I believe. Yeah. I, a bunch of people kept asking me, well, what, what are you thinking? How do you feel? How do you feel about this game? I'm stunned. I don't think Cal is this world beater. I, th- I feel like BYU absolutely should have won this game, and this game will haunt BYU and it will haunt me. For a very long time. Like the UCLA game in 2016. Yes. That's a 9-4 season, and you go, oh, my gosh, if BYU just shows up, kind of. Kind this game of. will haunt me. I feel so strongly BYU should be 2-0 right now going to Wisconsin. Yes. Even as bad and, and, as BYU played on Saturday, yes. they still – it was a three-point game. They should have won this game. BYU would be the worst 2-0 team in the country. Maybe. They were 2-0. Maybe. But I would take – I'll take wins. Even if they're ugly, I would take a 2-0 win just because it's winning. I was stunned. Obviously, I want more than that. But the means matter. It's not just that BYU lost, because let's be honest, BYU's on schedule with what we thought. It's we, how they lost. It's how they lost. The means really do matter. All right, our question of the day is loaded. Which team do you expect going forward this season? The BYU against Cal team or the BYU against Arizona team? Tell us why. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Laser Sheet. BYU and Cal, seeing Arizona get destroyed by Houston on Saturday gave me some legitimate concern about how good BYU is. I do still have much more confidence in BYU than I did last season, but I'm hesitant to expect too much. Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise Wisconsin or Washington. That's the real concern about this. That's a lot to hope for right now. Because there was so much goodwill. We talked about, oh, 4-9's over, 4-9's over. I hope 4-9's over. The season is over, but is is BYU's offensive struggles, are those gone? I I believe that they will be, but we won't know until October. BYU's about to play two top ten teams on the road. Yeah, and I think that after the UCLA game in 2016, some of the concerns were alleviated because BYU put up 32 points against West Virginia yes. and 55 points against Toledo. Yeah. Like, the offense 
was there following just that super head-scratcher frustrating against UCLA. So what happens now over the next three or four games will shape what we feel about uh, not three. BYU. No, okay, BYU's four. about to play two top-ten teams on the road. Right. As quickly as we turned on 4-9 and nine to Arizona and said, hey, look at that. And then now we're turning on Cal. Uh, uh, Overreaction Monday. We will Monday. do it again. I promise <laughs> you. I promise it'll happen again. As yeah, as <laughs> as poorly as BYU played in the second half, and as dysfunctional as the offense was at times, it's a three-point game. Ah, <laughs> oh, stop saying that. It's an eleven-point game with fifty-one seconds left. It was over. Uh, Coming up, who did what among BYU's opponents on Saturday in college football? In fact, four played each other. And ESPN's college football insider and expert Trevor Maddich is back for a Maddich Monday. What did he think about BYU's overall performance on Saturday? And what would he say about Tanner Mangum's performance? This is BYU Sports Nation. Tyler Magnum? What? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tomorrow at 8 Eastern, watch BYU football with Kalani Satake. So it's Greg Rubel talks with the coach, player, and an assistant coach. It's Tuesdays at 8 Eastern on BYU TV, BYU Radio, and the app. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. If you missed the show live, it's easy. Download the podcast or watch the show by going to BYUSN.com and experience BYU Sports Nation whenever, wherever you want. Our question of the day, which BYU team do you expect going forward this season? The BYU versus Cal team or the BYU versus Arizona team? At in on Twitter. After watching the Arizona-Houston game, I'm worried we saw the same BYU team play against two different levels of competition. That is an interesting take because once Arizona trailed 31-0 to Houston in the first half, it was like, uh-oh, is, is uh, Arizona just bad? Yeah, And it looks, we'll it looks like Arizona's not a good team. Hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline for another Maddich Monday is ESPN college football insider, expert, and analyst, and a national champion in 1984, Trevor Maddich. Trevor, welcome back to the program. Hi. I wish it were under different pretenses, <laughs> yeah. my friend. <laughs> uh. What are your biggest takeaways from BYU's home loss to Cal? Well, the more things change, the more they stay the same is what my thought was. The The first half, I thought the BYU offense didn't finish drives, but they strung together a lot of plays. They didn't have big plays, but they were able to, to build up first downs. They were able to keep the Cal defense on the field. And I thought, okay, even though they've only got seven points here, in the second half, if they can keep doing that, they should be able to take over just because of the physical pounding they put on the Cal defense. But in the second half, BYU had two three-and-outs, and that's it. Cal dominated the in the third quarter. Cal dominated the third quarter. And I got the impression that the, rather than being worn out and pounded into the turf in the third quarter by the BYU offense, that Cal defense was on the sideline and finally had to jog around the stadium in order to stay loose. You know, so that's a whole lot different from wearing them out. And I tell you, just the way that it flipped after halftime was so frustrating to watch. 
the question now is, is BYU the team we saw against Arizona or the team that we saw against Cal? Uh, most of the time these questions are somewhere in the middle, but what do you think? Uh, I think it's well. I think it's closer to the team we saw against Cal. And in fairness, the team that you know Arizona, um, when they played Houston, their big hope is, has always been their quarterback Khalil Tate, and and he tweaked his ankle, I believe, early in that game, and they weren't able to use him in ways that they really wanted to, and kind of the wheels fell off. So, you know, don't don't look at that Houston score and say, yeah, Arizona is just horrible. You know, it was a different Arizona team that faced Houston, but. The the thing I worry is this, in, in both games, Houston and Cal, BYU's defense played very well. Not perfectly, but I thought they played very well. The biggest difference is that against Arizona, the BYU passing attack came alive for a bit, especially in the second half. You know, they got some vertical passes, some things happened that opened everything else up. It opened up the running game when the passing game started to work more down the field. But against Cal it was revert to form. The passing game just wasn't getting much done. And because of that, uh, the dominoes that fell in favor of BYU's offense in general uh, in the second half against Arizona fell against BYU in the second half, especially against Cal. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Tanner Mangum, uh, the head of that passing attack for BYU, 22 for 41. How would you assess his overall performance against Cal? Uh, I am uh, – yeah. the passing game in general was pretty awful. Part of it was Tanner Mangum. Part of it was drops, though. There, there, he had at least five drops that would have changed the game if the receivers would have held on to those balls. There were times when the Cal defense had some really creative blitzes and pass rushes that confused the protection a bit, and so he didn't have time to throw. But when he did have time to throw, it was too often – that he was throwing at receivers. In other words, he would see a receiver and say, I'll throw it to that guy. And then he throws to the receiver where the receiver is when he lets go of the ball. That's one of the reasons I think that you saw so many of his passes end up being behind the receivers. The receivers would have to stop. They'd have to reach back uh, because you're throwing at the guy. What he needs to get to the point of is throwing to a spot in front of the receiver anticipating that the receiver will get there and choose that spot, not because he sees a guy open, but because he sees the coverage, and by knowing the coverage, he knows where to throw the ball and when to get it there. And they're not there right now. Now, in fairness to Tanner, I'm very reluctant to be overly critical of him. He gives everything he's got to this program. He is an outstanding leader. He's an inspirational figure. And he's had, what, three different offensive coordinators? And then he's been hurt. And so he hasn't really been able to develop in one system where he's been able to put all this together. But right now, I think it's up to the offensive coaching staff to see where he is right now and what he can do best. And, and help him by calling the kinds of plays and the kinds of routes that they know he can do. And after two games, I think they have a, an idea of what that might be. And the truth of it is, part of that is some of those vertical routes where they need to build in short drops, throw the ball up high in the air that receivers can run underneath as they're going deep down the field. And I think that from a standpoint of deep strikes, um, you may see some more of those kinds of attempts in the games as we go forward. At what point, if at all, 
do you consider going to Zach Wilson? You just said that you don't want to be overly critical of Tanner Mangum. He's had three offensive coordinators. Last year, you kind of put last year. But at what point in the next several weeks or whatever, if at all, do you look at putting Zach Wilson in? What situation would have to happen? Well, uh, I think it would be good for the program to give Zach Wilson a chance. I think you, you never know how a guy is going to perform. And they've got some tough games coming up, and what you don't want to do is put him in in a situation that he is virtually guaranteed to have his confidence ground into powder on the into the turf of Madison, Wisconsin, or Seattle, Washington. And so I think that they've got to be judicious about it. Uh, McNeese is coming up after Wisconsin, and I think that might be the best time to really give him a chance in meaningful minutes. In other words, if, if, either the, if the Wisconsin game gets out of hand, then maybe you know, he can go in and, and maybe see what he can do a little bit for a series or two. But I think his mental makeup is more important than the physical side right now, and they've got to be careful to give him a, a good chance to succeed. Now, the flip side of that is that there's Tanner Mangum in there taking all the, the hardest hits that those defenses can, can throw at him. But he's a senior, and he ought to be able to do that. I am also not calling for Tanner Mangum to be benched. But what I am saying is that we've seen around the country quarterback scenarios where you've got a, an experienced veteran and a young hotshot. And what those do at Clemson, at uh, um, Georgia, at Alabama, um, and those have resolved in different ways now in the first couple weeks of the season. But in a place like Clemson, what they chose to do was play the experienced veteran, let the young guy come in and get some meaningful reps and see if he can play his way into the job. But if you, if you, you, know, if you give too much to the young guy too soon, once again, then, then you have to like sit him down and not let him play much for a while, and that hurts him. Uh, I don't, so I guess that's the long answer to a short question. that um, I'm not calling for Tanner's job. But I think that there should come a time when they give the kid a chance, and I think that time will probably come against McNeese. ESPN college football expert Trevor Maddich. It's another Maddich Monday on BYU Sports Nation. The BYU defense came up with three takeaways, two on defense, including a scoop and score. BYU's only touchdown in the game until the final minute of play. But they didn't get a ton of pressure on Cal and their quarterback situation. So how would you assess the BYU defense overall on Saturday? I thought the BYU defense was great. They held Cal to a field goal in the uh, second, in the first half. In that third quarter when BYU's defense completely disappeared, they held Cal to just one touchdown. You know, they came up with those turnovers. They scored a touchdown of their own. Special teams, Diane Gowalaku ends up with that recovery of a muff punt on the Cal 16-yard line. And in a game that BYU ended up losing by three points, they didn't even get off a field goal attempt because of an interception by the BYU offense on that drive. And when you leave the defense on the field for a long time, bad things are going to happen. And BYU's defense minimized those bad things. Now, they didn't get a whole lot of pressure. But at the same time, they they did a good job of, of putting their finger in the dike to keep the the water from pouring through and turning into a flood. Now, against Cal, that's one thing. Against Wisconsin, the BYU offense cannot hang them out like this. Just think about the LSU game. 
um, you know, when the offense didn't do anything and the defense got overwhelmed after time. Look at the Wisconsin game last year. This one at Madison, you know, the defense I think is is playing well enough to be a, a nine win team, eight nine win team. Um, the offense needs to help them out, and it won't show up in such big ways against teams that are more, you know, BYU's own size. But against against Wisconsin and against the Washingtons of the world, the offense needs to help them. When you look at the matchup with Wisconsin, you touched on it earlier, but what will it take for BYU to be competitive against the Badgers, who are in the top ten? Well, this is going to sound completely shocking and something that we've never heard before, but (laughs) they've got to throw the ball with some success. Wisconsin has got a stout defensive line. They have got phenomenal linebackers. I mean active, disrupting linebackers. I don't expect BYU to push Wisconsin's defense around because I do think BYU's offensive line is really, really good. But Wisconsin's is the best in the country. and They have four offensive linemen that last year earned some sort of All-America honors that are starting again for them this year. This is the offensive line of Wisconsin that the Wisconsin defense faces in practice every day. So the Badgers won't be intimidated by any physicality of BYU because they won't play. There's not more than two or three teams in the nation that will be more physical than what they face in practice. That means that for BYU to be able to have a chance to keep this thing competitive, the passing game has to work to the extent that they can let their defense rest a little bit. You know, BYU has such stout defensive linemen. They are so active in the front seven that I think they'll be able to hold their own quite a bit, at least for a while against Wisconsin's offense. But if they're out there too much, if it's just three and out, three and out, three and out from BYU's own offense, then the, the dam could break open. So uh, they, they need to throw the ball successfully and move the chains through the air in order to have a chance to keep this thing competitive. Trevor, we always appreciate the national perspective. Uh, great to catch up with you again on Monday and uh, interested to see what BYU can do against Wisconsin and what that will lead to in our conversation next week. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. We'll see what BYU puts up against Wisconsin. And then it's McNeese State, and then it's Washington. So I, we discussed it. I don't think we're going to know what BYU is until – the end of October. It's hard to be patient about that as well. But it is what it is with the schedule. It could be 2-0 and and have tons of questions. I'd rather BYU be 2-0 and going to Wisconsin than 1-1. One and one. <laughs> If BYU is 2-0 and right now, this would be 2015 all over again. Nebraska, Boise State, and then UCLA. Close one. But, Competitive game. But then the reality check of Michigan is what I'm getting. Yeah, well, yeah. UCLA was overrated. <gasps> Shock. I know you love the Bruins. They're now 0-2. I'm surprised you haven't brought that up. Well, I, people Plus, know how Cincy I feel. and Oklahoma. People, people know how I feel. <laughs> I don't know that everyone knows. You have to repeat ideas, right? <laughs> Coming up, head coach Kalani Stake calls out a position group. And our going for two picks were, yikes, adventurous. Speak for yourself. But we will face the music next. This is BYU Sports Nation. I will. I will forget it. Tomorrow night, breakdown Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Brian Logan, and David Nixon on After Further Review. It's Tuesdays at 7 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. It's one of the eight best hours of BYU football on television. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. 
BYU football drops their home opener to Cal 21-18. BYU has lost five of the last seven games they played in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Zane Anderson led BYU in tackles with 12. On offense, Moroni Laulupututau had 56 yards receiving with five catches to lead BYU there. BYU did score their first defensive touchdown of the season on this play. All to the outside quickly and quick screens and quick throws. They go back to Clark. Big hit. Ball's out. Cougars got it. Guadalupe to the end zone. Touchdown. You thought maybe in that moment things turned back in BYU's favor. There were a few of those moments. Tanner Mangum threw 192 yards on 22 of 41 passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Squally Canada added 49 yards rushing. Now BYU heads into game three against... Oh, you know, sixth-ranked Wisconsin in Madison on Saturday. Cougars by 17 plus. I can't even finish that. Fred Warner led the 49ers defense with 12 tackles, 11 solo. A forced fumble, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit in a 24-16 loss to the Vikings. Third-ranked BYU women's volleyball remains undefeated. The ladies won the Marquette Invitational in Milwaukee over the weekend, sweeping number 10 USC, sweeping Syracuse, and beating the host 25th-ranked Marquette three sets to one. BYU could very well be number one when the ABCA poll is released later today. And BYU women's soccer beat Utah 3-2 on Friday night on a goal in the 85th minute by Maddie Sidaway-Gates. Cougs have won four in a row against the Utes. All right, headlines out and going for two in. Can you predict the future? Nah. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. All right, I think Jerem and I were combined one for four. Jerem, lead us off. Remind people what you picked and what happened. Uh, so the standings before the game were what? Two to one? Yes. You? Okay. Yep. Okay, uh, my first pick. BYU will win by 10 plus. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, BYU <laughs> lost by three. I was really confident it would win. BYU would win this game and win it handily, but BYU couldn't run the ball, and that changed everything. Again, I'm stunned. I, I, I am stunned that BYU played that poorly following that emotional win in Arizona. Yeah. Ugh. And my second pick, the Cougars will be plus one or better in turnover margin. Yep, three takeaways. BYU would have been plus two until kind of late-ish, or even plus three, two late turn, uh, interceptions there. All right. So I got that one. We're tied at two as, uh, as of this moment. I said BYU would outscore what they did against Arizona and go 29-plus. <laughs> 18 points. 18, 18 points. And it, points. And it was 10 until 50 seconds left. A late and garbage my touchdown. second pick. BYU will not allow a play of 30-plus yards. <laughs> they allowed one, and it was a backbreaker. Garbers to his receiver for 52 yards and a touchdown pass in the third quarter to lead 14-3. to three. Mm. Ugh. And I think it was... Yeah, Kanavai Noah, who caught that pass for 52 yards. So, over uh, 2 for me. That takes our updated standings now to two apiece. After two games, uh, we will have our next set of going for two picks on Friday as yep. BYU heads to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, Jonathan Taylor will have less than 200 yards rushing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What did he run for? 253. 253? 253. Yep. That's what BYU okay. approaches. Okay. <laughs> Big Camp enough. Randall. Yes, let's take a look back, and we will do this every week on how BYU's opponents fared in their games. We mentioned BYU will take on Wisconsin. 
The result, the fifth-ranked Badgers, well, they ran wild. Jonathan Taylor for 253 yards, three touchdowns, and a 45-14 win over New Mexico. Take that, Snake. All right. Following Wisconsin is? McNeese State. They beat Houston Baptist at our barbecue, 51-34. McNeese State's 2-0 in FCS. Then Washington put a 45-3 beatdown on the University of North Dakota. Jake Browning threw for 313 yards and two touchdowns. Washington gets Arizona State this week. Okay. No, no, no. Washington is at Utah, I thought. Are they not? Did I see that wrong somewhere? I thought Washington plays at Utah. I'll confirm offense. that in a moment. Uh, Utah State and New Mexico State played each other. Utah State won 60-13. to Utah State's looking pretty good. Almost beat Michigan State, who lost to Arizona State um, over the weekend. Dominic Eberle kicked six field goals, three from 51 yards. Tied an NCAA record for most points scored by a kicker in a single game with 24. Only a, a producer that went to Utah State would write a full paragraph about a kicker. <laughs> he tied an NCAA record. That's the story. It's the story. Kickers are people too, no, the right? the story is they put up 60. It's not that a kicker scored 24 points. What? When you set an or tie an NCAA record, that is the story. You were right. That's not, no. Washington it's at Utah this Saturday. The following week, Arizona State is at Washington, yeah. and then BYU's at Washington. The Huskies will be in the state, man. All right. And, now uh, we move on. Utah State's 1-1. One one. New Mexico State's 0-3 now. Hawaii. They're 3-0. and Hey, for the first time since 07. Cole McDonald continues his hot streak. Only going for 319 passing yards this time in four touchdowns. Bad game for him. In a 43-29 win over Rice. I think that the uh, I think the Hawaii football is going to be six and one coming to Provo. And at if, least. And if they're five and two, I owe you, owe you Tucanos. Tucanos. And, and if, if they're, they're undefeated, undefeated, you owe me Tucanos. Either way, I want to go to Tucanos. Whatever. All right. Uh, it's just who's paying. All right. Northern Illinois and Utah played each other. It was Northern Illinois. Utah won 17-6 over Northern Illinois. A Chase Hansen pick six sealed the deal in the fourth quarter. It is 10-6 with Northern Illinois with the ball late in the game. <laughs> Rats. Huskies own two, Utah 2-0. Two Boise State. Wow. They They're good. They're good. Crushed. You knew this. A bad UConn team, but still crushed them. 62-7. Brett Rippon, 362 yards, three touchdowns. The Bronco offense set a school record with 818 yards of total offense. What? <laughs> 514 what? in the first half. They're 2-0. and Watch out for Boise State. A reminder that BYU just put up 287. Uh, UMass lost at Georgia Southern 34-13. They're 1-2. That is an automatic win for BYU. <laughs> it's starting to look more that way, isn't it? <laughs> uh, let's see how BYU fares. <laughs> and uh, Arizona, we've mentioned this. A few times already. Now we'll come back around the horn to the teams BYU's already played, or team. They get routed at Houston. 45-18. Kalote, two interceptions, no touchdowns. Heisman! Eight yards rushing. The Heisman campaign. He never, wa- he never was. You can't lose four games in the season being a Heisman. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. The curse? Well, perhaps it was regional. I don't think in Alabama they were getting Khalil Tate on their Sports Illustrated. Arizona 0-2. Yikes. Coming up, what Kalani Satake liked on Saturday and what wasn't enough to win. Okay, BYU lost the game against Cal on Saturday, but there's one player that thinks that loss began on Wednesday. We'll get to that story next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. At the top of the hour, coming up, Greg Rebell talks with BYU football coordinators on Coordinator's Corner. Today, Greg chats with Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. It's at the top of the hour, 1 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio, exactly 14 minutes from right now. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. Which BYU team do you expect moving forward? The BYU team you saw against Cal last Saturday or the BYU team you saw against Arizona in the season opener? At Lacey Dentist in on Twitter. My heart says... Arizona Cougs, but my head says Cal Cougs. Arizona really isn't any good, and a few years of offensive futility makes them harder to believe in. Hashtag prove me, believe in. Hashtag prove me wrong. No, I would say one year. It was one year of offensive futility, and now we're into a second. So we'll see if it's years. It better not be. Join us 24-7 on social media using the hashtag BYUSN. BYU head coach Kalani Satake, in the midst of clear post-game frustration. I mean, he was really upset. His eyes were red. Like he was, Granted, it was like 1 a.m. when he's talking. Did not hold back and answered several questions, including what does BYU have to do to win these type of tough, ugly games? We didn't do enough to win this game, guys. I mean, that's... The effort was there, and I'm, I'm proud of our guys and how hard they played. They battled. They didn't quit in the end. You know, they kept going. But... um Effort's not enough to win games, you know. That's a good that's a good uh, key for us but to have and, and something we can hang our hat on, but that's not good enough to win. We need to be more efficient as an offense and be more disruptive as a defense and, and, uh, and find ways to, to, to win games. That's what we have to do. More efficient on offense, more disruptive on defense. In many walks of life, effort is enough, okay? I believe that spiritual effort will get people into heaven just like trying really hard to do like the right stuff. That's not the case in sports, okay? In sports, effort is good enough. You have to score points. You have to make tackles. You have to get pressure on the quarterback. You have to take advantage of takeaways and score. So BYU didn't do that. So I really liked that Kalani said that because we've heard that rhetoric before. Hey, the guys are trying hard. Who cares if the guys try hard if they're not good enough? And the point is to win. The point of the game is to win. See, so if BYU has great effort, that's, that's nice. But if your effort isn't combined with execution, who cares? Missed opportunities. The, the most frustrating thing for me here is BYU is good enough to beat Cal. They are yes. good enough to win that game. Yes. I didn't think Cal overwhelmed BYU. No. Honestly, I felt like Cal had zero business winning that game against BYU. I, I thought their game plan was good. They made adjustments. BYU didn't. Cal stopped BYU's run, and then all of a sudden the offense... Uh, went to pieces, it, uh, and Tanner Mangum's trying to force things. He throws some picks. Those picks were really bad because, obviously, they're interceptions, but if BYU just steadily moves the ball then, at least gets a field goal here or a field goal there, that last drive isn't to cut into an 11-point lead. It's to tie or win the game. And instead, BYU was down 11, scores a touchdown late, doesn't get an onside kick, and then they lose. Well, they... Still had three timeouts and got to kick the ball off, but that's a conversation for another day. Yes. Okay, tight end Moroni Laulupututa, you alluded to this. He feels BYU's preparation wasn't good enough earlier in the week. We left so many plays out there on the field. Like, we make one, two plays, we're up two scores. And you can say that over and over and over and regret. It just sucks, but it, honestly, we didn't lose the game today. I feel we lost it three days ago in preparation and practice. And so those little things, you know, we still have confidence because we can make those plays. We're not worried. Um, those guys will make the play guaranteed. I trust them 100% next play. 
That's the frustrating thing. BYU can make those plays. We've seen them make those plays, and they just didn't do it. It was. (sighs) I'm concerned that coming off a four nine season after one game, that the level of urgency and preparation wasn't there. I felt that in the rhetoric and the conversations that we've had, that BYU had a high sense of urgency. They were coming home, protect Lavelle's house. We were two and four last year here. We're not going to drop this game. It's one thing to tweet it; it's another to do it. Right. So. BYU's back to square one, and now you're going to go to Wisconsin, and barring a huge upset, BYU's losing this game, and barring a huge upset on the other side, BYU's beating McNeese State, and then barring a, another huge upset of a top-ten team, BYU's losing that game. So you're staring at two and three, and then you got to win out in October. You get above 500, and then you go into an interesting November. But that concerns me. Like, what? One game? One game. You were 4-9 last year. One game against Arizona changes everything where you get a little lax. Like, that's concerning to me. Yeah. BYU's going to be 2-3 and three most likely, which is exactly where we thought they would be out of September. Yes. Just the means change. On, we but, thought BYU yes. would lose at Arizona and win this game. Which is always <laughs> makes it interesting. Right. Yeah. Your expectations should change based on what happens. You can't change ever. What you think now, you have to hold to for it. That's a stupid idea. The BYU offensive line, oh, man, they received the love after the Arizona game including from yours truly. But that does not translate now because Kalani is looking at them with a critical eye. We were really excited about the O-line and and thought we'd see some physical part over the game, and that was non-existent in the second half. So, yeah, they're going to be challenged this week and and, uh, didn't respond, and so we have to be better. We have to be better, and especially when – uh, we feel like we can get stronger and, and, and on the line of scrimmage. Um, there's no proof of that from the second half of the run game, and there's no proof of that even in the pass game. The offensive line, for the most part, was good enough in the first half. I thought they were pretty good. The numbers were there. BYU moved the ball, and people will say, well, they failed to convert on two fourth downs. Well, it's not all on the offensive line right there. Okay. Yeah, they do have to protect Tanner Mangum a little bit more. Two sacks given up. Some pressure, forces some throws. But you got to be able to run the ball. 2.9 a carry? 2.8 a carry? No, that's pathetic. Well, Against Cal? The this concern, isn't Wisconsin or Washington. The concern is with what happened in the second half, Jerem. Yes, the second half, BYU was bad rushing the ball, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU rushed for six yards in the second half. This offense is predicated upon running the ball. BYU rushed for six, including zero in the fourth quarter. It's not going to do it Ugh. against Cal. I perceive Cal to be, before the season, the sixth best team on the schedule. They've moved up to five for me. I'm telling you, there are four better teams than Cal on the schedule. And BYU couldn't run against Cal. That's concerning. Washington, Wisconsin, Utah, Boise State, all better than Cal. Yes. Clearly. Yes. yes. Clearly all better so than that's, Cal. More stout that, up front. And in the home opener, the only Power 5 game you've got, Live on ESPN, too. You can't run the ball. I think that BYU can get better in that, but it's just concerning that, that, that BYU didn't perform better in that situation. Coming up, the 49ers lost, but Fred Warner had a fantastic debut. Uh, yeah, I think he's there to stay, man. Plus, will there be a number one ranked team on campus today out of 330 Division I teams? Could BYU be on top of that list? This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guest, Trevor Maddich of ESPN. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast. 
Go to BYUSN.com and you can watch full episodes. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. Let us whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. BYU football lost to Cal 21-18 in the home opener. The Cougars put up 287 yards of total offense, 3.9 yards per play. Defensively, Zane Anderson had a career-high 12 tackles. Dying on Woloku, two fumble recoveries, including a scoop and score. The Cougars play Wisconsin Saturday in Madison. Cougars in the NFL. Federico Fred Warner led the San Francisco 49ers defense with 12 tackles. That might be a week one high for any linebacker in the NFL. Dane and Fred with 12. A forced fumble, one tackle for loss, and a QB hit in a 24-16 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Jamal Williams led the Packers in rushing, 47 yards on 15 carries. They won dramatically. He had a good seat to the Aaron Rodgers performance. With blocking for him in that second half remarkable comeback. Kyle Van Noy had three tackles in a Patriots win against the Texans. Volleyball. Third-ranked BYU women's volleyball stays undefeated at 8-0, one of nine teams in the country still undefeated, with three wins in Milwaukee over number 10 USC, Syracuse, and number 25 Marquette. Number two Wisconsin and number one Minnesota lost last week. So could we see BYU at number one today in the ABC April? Mm-hmm. Volley Mob has BYU ranked first for the second straight week. Yeah, maybe Volley Mob was onto something there last week, huh? I don't uh, like to incite any mobs, whether they're Volley Mobs or not. Former Cougs repped the USA in Lubanya Volleyball Challenge with a 3-0 record. Taylor Sander had a match high of 14 kills, one block, two aces, 12 digs. Jake Langlois had one kill, one ace, one dig. Team USA travels to Italy to face Serbia in the FIVB World Championships on Wednesday. And women's, soccer! Women's soccer beat Utah 3-2 Friday night. Today's rise and shout goes to... Women's volleyball. They're yeah. crushing it. Yes. Crushing it. Our elite voice of the day, which team do you expect going forward this season? BYU against Cal or the BYU team against Arizona? Either way, I did not expect to be talking about BYU's personality issues. We were supposed to be talking about Cal's lack of identity today, but none of this will matter if BYU just beats Utah. (laughs) Fair enough. Shut up, Daryl. (laughs) For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Aaron Roderick. Go Cougs.